And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Hey, we are live streaming at rumble.com slash Casey the host. I am told that I look like a fat Matt Damon. I don't know about that. This is not the first time that I have heard the Matt Damon comparison. Okay. I've, I've been told that I look like Matt Damon when I'm thinner. Uh, and I've been told that I look like like uh, like smoke Tony Stewart when I'm heavier. So that's that's what I have been told. But apparently when I have the glasses on, my new glasses, apparently I look like Matt Damon in what, The Departed? Is that what you said? In The Departed? Okay. So you be the judge. Go to rumble.com slash Casey the Host. Just leave a comment in the live chat on Rumble if you agree or disagree with the Matt Damon comparison. I think it's insane. But I also hate Matt Damon. So there's that. All right, I want to get into this. A couple of people have asked me about it. It also showed up in the live stream a little bit earlier. People are trying to figure out what's going on between Trump and the RNC. And and Ron McDowell in 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 or McDaniel, excuse me, uh, in particular. Ron McDowell's an actress, but I digress. Um, because this is here's the thing. You go back to the election, right? Post election, it looked like there was a a lot of establishment Republicans coming from the RNC that just refused to even look at any of the evidence or the, or the data. Now, considering that everybody knew that there was a long, uh, you know, a large anti-Trump camp, if you will, inside the Republican Party, you start you start to get a little suspicious of what was going on. Well, you know. Ronna McDaniel, the chairwoman of the RNC. And for the record, as far as a chairwoman is concerned, I think she's done a pretty good job for the RNC. But there's always been these questions, especially after the election, about how much she was actually in Trump's camp. Was she actually a never-Trump Republican? And what has happened now is a fight is broken out. And a fight is broken out between the RNC and Trump's attorney. Now, that's Jenna Ellis, by the way. So we start we start having this this very weird back and forth. So a report comes out, okay? A report comes out that the RNC basically sabotaged Trump, that the RNC didn't stick up for for Trump, that they didn't want to look at the issues of election integrity and that sort of stuff. And as time has progressed, we have found out that a lot of the allegations of election integrity in some of these states that we're waiting for those results on ended up being true. And that's the thing, of course, the media doesn't cover that. The media just goes out there and says, this has all been debunked. None of it has been debunked. Not at all. In fact, what's happening is as we progress, these new court cases have validated some of those concerns, which would have swung states in a completely different direction. And other states are still not finished with audits and things of that nature. Other states may start audits. And obviously, election laws have been strengthened and and uh, new laws have been put in place in some states to prevent what happened in this last election from happening again. And none of them, none of them throttle Democratic voters and help Republican voters. Not a single one of them. What they do is they make it more difficult to commit fraud. That's the issue. So former, former Trump attorney Jenna Ellis explosively called out Republican National Committee for lying about their attorney stabbing former President Donald Trump in the back over election fraud allegations. Now, what is interesting about this is that this, this came out in a book, okay? I've already told you before, stuff that comes out in a book doesn't mean it's true. There is a propensity in the American psyche that if it is put down in a book, that it must be accurate. That's not how things work. There's a lot of, of 
well, frankly, BS in books. So you have to pay attention to what's being written. You still have to validate this stuff. And oftentimes things that are written down in books, they don't provide any sources for, they don't provide any evidence for. It basically just becomes an opinion piece, right? Even if it's in the nonfiction section. So Jenna Ellis is accusing McDaniel of abandoning Trump following the 2020 election. She reportedly received an email last November that showed the RNC chief counsel, Justin Reimer, was actively questioning Trump's election claims, according to a new book by Michael Wolf. Now, Wolf is an anti-Trump zealot. Michael Wolf is also a proven liar. He has written several books that have been completely dismantled as being inaccurate and wholesale untrue. So please keep that in mind. If Michael Wolf writes something, there is a very strong likelihood that what he has written down in his books are lies. It got so bad the last time he had a book come out that even his allies in the media were debunking large swaths of his book because they were they were not true. And not only were they not true, he knew that they weren't true and he published them anyway. So just keep it keep that in mind, okay? Michael Wolf is not an honest person. You should never believe anything that you read in any of his books unless you get independent verification with some evidence, okay? So with that said, let's continue. This is BizPack Review, by the way. The note allegedly asked why Republicans back Trump's claims of election fraud as Business Insider reported from a pre-released copy of the book. Reimer also contended that the RNC could raise more money by going after Democrats than by challenging election results. Now, this is where I'm going to pause. So the attorney for the RNC... His position was Republicans shouldn't support Trump because they can raise more money by going after Democrats than by supporting Trump. Do you understand what I mean when I tell you it's the political class and the donor class versus you and me? You get that? We know for a fact that ballots that would never be legal under normal circumstances were counted by the tens of thousands in this last election. That is not up for debate. That is in the court rulings at this point in time. Okay? We know that. Now, we also know that rules were illegally changed in order to allow ballots that would never be valid ballots to be counted as if they were valid. And that those changes were illegal. We know that that has been ruled on by the courts. Okay? Remember, they conflate the issues intentionally. When they talk about widespread voter fraud... You have to get them to define what widespread is, and you also have to get them to define what the fraud is. Because what most people are thinking is that somebody is just filling out multiple ballots and that sort of thing and sending them in. That does happen. It's almost impossible to catch that, though. Although we do have a case of voter fraud being caught here today for you. We'll get to that. But you have to get them to define it, because what they're trying to do is they're trying to pigeonhole the argument into somebody going in there writing a false name on the ballot, voting, then writing another false name on the ballot, voting, then writing another false name on a ballot, and voting. That's what they're trying to pigeonhole you into. The whole issue of election integrity and voter, air quote, fraud is all of it. Illegal changes in, in election law that, that, that should not have been permitted under the Constitution of the state or the U.S., um, all of these ballots that would have been invalidated had the law not been illegally changed, thereby making them illegal ballots, all of those were counted. Again, this isn't up for debate. This isn't my opinion. This is now absolute and total legal fact. 
And we're still going through the process in several other states where they're going to continue auditing because they think that some actual fraudulent ballots made their way through, even with election law changes. Okay, this is this is critical for everybody to understand these basic fundamental facts. They don't talk about this in cable news. They just tell you, oh, it's all been debunked. It hasn't been debunked. And when they when just like when they're running around telling you Trump's lost every legal challenge he's ever had. No, he actually won about 75 percent of his legal challenges when they were actually heard on merit. The other ones that were dismissed were procedural. Very different thing to the average person out there. Maybe they don't understand that distinction, but the news media should understand that distinction. So when they intentionally don't provide that clarification in their news reports, they're intentionally misleading their audience. Now, here's where things, again, get very interesting. Jenna Ellis, Trump's attorney, passed the email on to Rudy Giuliani and former NYPD police commissioner Bernard Carrick. Giuliani blasted Reimer and demanded that he resign or be fired immediately. So Giuliani calls him up. He yells at him. Uh, Giuliani then calls, okay, this is, he calls Ronnie McDowell, uh, McDaniel, excuse me. Sorry, I keep going back to the actress. And he demands that she fire him. Because this is a guy whose job it is, is to protect the president and work for the Republican Party's legal interests. And here he is openly advocating that the Republican Party abandon their legal interests in favor of fundraising strategy. Now, from Giuliani's perspective, from Trump's perspective, from Jen Ellis's perspective, and probably from most of your perspectives, if you have been legally wronged, you want your representation, your attorneys to help you fight that, correct? And the RNC attorney's job was to do that. He chose not to. He chose to subvert that effort. And he chose to make the argument that it was a better strategy going forward for the Republicans to move away from Trump and fundraise off of Democrats because this is all about fundraising and money. Remember, the political party systems are set up, Republican and Democrat, they are set up to raise money not to do what's in your best interest or the country's best interest. We've been over this many times. Everything is about raising money because if you raise money, you can win elections. That's, that's the idea. Again, Trump proved all of that wrong, but I digress. So Giuliani then calls McDaniel, demands that Reimer be fired. She refuses to fire him. Now, here's where things get interesting. Michael Wolf is a liar. He is a proven liar. It is undeniable. Nobody should ever buy any of his books again because he has been called out numerous times for major, major fabrications in his books even by the left. So now, Ronna McDaniel responds and says, as is typical with most things Michael Wolff writes, this story is simply false. Okay, well, this is the RNC's official statement. The RNC legal team fought tooth and nail on election integrity efforts in the entirety of 2020, and that continues today. I think most of you, especially leading up to the election, would laugh at that statement because we already knew going into that thing, the RNC was not doing what they were supposed to do. We already knew that. Now, again, under normal circumstances, I would be inclined to believe the RNC's claim that Michael Wolf is lying about this exchange because Michael Wolf is a proven liar. However, Trump's former attorney, Jenna Ellis, tweeted out, this report is true and then tagged Ronna McDaniel on Twitter. 
and you know that I have the receipts. This is why the RNC is lying. Why is the RNC lying and saying it's false? Now, here's what you would expect to happen. Ronald McDowell is a very public figure. Ronald McDowell runs the RNC. Ronald McDowell typically doesn't shy away from a fight. So when you have Trump's former attorney on Twitter tagging you in a post and saying the RNC is not telling the truth about this, this actually did happen. Michael Wolff is not lying in this instance. You would expect Ronald McDaniel to respond. Instead, what Ronald McDaniel did was blocked Jenna Ellis on Twitter. Why is she running from this? If you have been falsely accused by Trump's former attorney, why would you not issue a statement in defense of yourself? Why would you simply block that person on Twitter? That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. And Jenna, Jenna Ellis is, is a lot of things. She's also a really capable attorney, and she's not a known liar. So you start to run into some real credibility issues for Ronna McDaniel now. Jenna Ellis then provided an update on Twitter, says, I guess she doesn't want to be confronted about the RNC lying. With the hashtag, Ronna must go. And then she did a screenshot of how Ronna McDaniel uh, Daniel had blocked her on Twitter. Huh. Jenna Ellis continued. She told Rudy Giuliani, me, and the president that she was going to fire Justin Reimer. She didn't. She lied then, and she's lying now. Wow. Now, again, these are pretty bold claims, but Jenna Ellis is not a known liar. And why is Ronna McDaniel running from this? Obviously, a bunch of Republicans who um, have insider knowledge. Bernard Carrick. Bernard Carrick is a former head of the NYPD. He said that Jenna Ellis is telling the truth. He got the email. Remember, the email was given to Rudy Giuliani and Bernard Carrick. Bernard Carrick confirmed the story. Jenna Ellis confirmed the story. Rudy Giuliani confirmed the story. The only one who has not provided any evidence of their innocence is the RNC and Ronna McDaniel. Sebastian Gorka's weighing in on it. Why aren't you answering this? So people are now tagging Ronna McDaniel, who are higher-ups in the Republican Party. Some were in Trump's team, some were just a part of the Republican Party, some were in state politics, but they keep tagging Ronna McDaniel on this story and asking her to finally respond and say, look, we've got all these people who are in the email chain who say, yeah, this happened. Ronna McDaniel is lying. Michael Wolff is actually telling the truth this time. And she's not responding. Now, obviously, when you get to that point where you have multiple witnesses, multiple people who received the documents confirming a story, even if it was written by Michael Wolff in his book, and the person who is being accused of lying is not defending themselves, most people are going to believe that the story is actually true and that Ronna McDaniel and the RNC are lying. So, once again, I want to remind everybody, doesn't matter if it's Republican Party, Democratic Party, RNC, DNC, doesn't matter. They don't care about you. They care about your money and your vote. That's it. And they will do whatever they have to do to get that, which is why the attorney for the RNC abandoned the Trump position. It's too hard. It's too difficult. It's going to take months, maybe years to get to the bottom of it. So it would be more effective to fundraise, he said. 
by going after the Democrats and abandoning Trump's position, which is ultimately what the RNC did. Now you know why so many people, in spite of Ronna McDaniel's undeniable success at fundraising, there's no doubt she was successful as a chairwoman in doing that. But now you know why so many Republicans and conservatives want her gone. Because she abandoned your core principles as conservative Republicans, for those of you in the audience who are. She abandoned your principles. She deceived people. All because she wanted to raise money for the party. Instead of doing the right thing and ensuring that the Republicans would even be legally competitive going forward. That's what's been happening there. That will bring me into what happened at CPAC with President Trump. We'll talk about that next on 95.3 MNC. All right. Most of you know I'm not a big, I'm not a big fan of, of CPAC itself. Not because I don't like the idea of CPAC. I, I like the idea of CPAC. I like a lot of the people who speak at CPAC. My issue with CPAC is that the conservative political action conference has been inconsistent in many years. Um, and I don't easily forget that stuff. I'm not a forgivable, I'm like, not a forgivable. Of course, I'm forgivable because I'm amazing. I'm not a very forgiving person, though. Um, when you do something for a period of time and then all of a sudden you do a 180 on that and it appears to be for political reasons, I have, I have a very difficult time trusting you. And that's CPAC for me. For various reasons that I've explained on the show before. Doesn't mean I have any issues with anybody involved with the ACU. Doesn't mean I have anything, any issues with the people who speak at CPAC. Um, nor people who no longer speak at CPAC who gave the best speeches in the history of CPAC, like Michelle Malkin. My issue is that oftentimes they are inconsistent with their messaging. And, and that leads me to believe that they can't always be trusted. But Trump gave a speech there, right? And if you're if you're a power broker, you have to give a speech. A CPAC is just kind of one of the things that you have to do. Well, YouTube deleted the video featuring Trump announcing his class action lawsuit against Facebook, Twitter, and Google. Of course, YouTube is owned by Google. So YouTube is now censoring and deleting the video of President Trump announcing his lawsuit against them for censorship. Isn't that interesting? It's just another reason why you should go to rumble.com slash Casey, the host, and hit that subscribe button. We're actually, oh, we're actually getting up there. I added a few people today. Appreciate that. Because YouTube is just going to take everything down that they possibly can. If you have something negative to say about YouTube, they take it down. If you are going to give the latest uh, scientific research about various things like masks and all that, they're going to take it down. That's what YouTube does. But this also led to another moment because in that CPAC speech, which was taken down by YouTube, in that CPAC speech, Trump made a very interesting announcement about Bill Barr and Pennsylvania. We're going to talk about that next. We also have Milton Monday coming up in just a little bit here on 95.3 MNC. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Don't forget, live streaming at rumble.com slash Casey the host. Also want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. We'll have Milton Monday here in just a few minutes. Of course, uh, every Monday, when I remember, we try, we try to play you a soundbite from Milton Friedman and his genius. We just left off. YouTube has deleted the video of Trump's, well, 
Trump's lawsuit, but he announced his lawsuit at CPAC. And we knew about it before his CPAC speech, but during CPAC, he, he referenced his, his new lawsuit, class action lawsuit against Facebook, Twitter, and Google, which owns YouTube, okay? And YouTube then deleted that video. YouTube gave a strike to the ACU. That, that is the, um, the group that, that puts on the American Conservative Union that put on CPAC. So they have a strike against their channel, and they were banned from uploading a video for a whole week simply because they played Trump's speech at CPAC in which Trump announced that he was suing Facebook, Twitter, and Google, which owns YouTube. So YouTube is deleting any information related to the lawsuit against them, right? The other thing that came up in the speech, there's lots of things, and some of it were very good. Trump told CPAC that he received a letter from the Philadelphia U.S. attorney claiming that Bill Barr prevented an investigation of election fraud. Now, Bill Barr recently was in the news for for talking about, he had a profanity-laced kind of tirade that he was talking about, um, where he says nobody showed him any proof of any election fraud. Now, this had come up before, and the media ran with it, and said, Bill Barr hasn't seen any election fraud. But they didn't investigate any election fraud. The Department of Justice didn't do an investigation. You're not going to find any election fraud unless you do an investigation. So when this came up here two weeks ago, I think it was, when it came up and Bill Barr was saying, I was just kept saying, show me proof, show me proof, and nobody ever did, people were really quick to point out proof was given, but you didn't conduct an investigation. And so if you don't conduct an investigation, how are you going to find proof on your own? Since when does the Department of Justice rely upon other people to give the Department of Justice evidence in a case? The Department of Justice is tasked with doing that investigation. The Department of Justice is tasked with figuring out whether or not those claims are true, whether or not those thousands, thousands of signed affidavits with punishment, you know, which could be in, in, in jail time if they are lying. The DOJ's responsibility is to figure out if those people are lying or not. They were willing to put themselves at risk of going to jail by signing those affidavits. And the DOJ never looked into it. They never investigated. They never tacitly looked into it at all. So people were pointing out to Bill Barr saying, we never saw any evidence of it. And that is because you didn't look. That's the whole point. Now, if they had looked and didn't find anything, then, you know, nobody would have anything to stand on if Bill Barr had said, look, we looked into it. We couldn't find anything. Then people would probably question you know, based on their opinion, whether or not they looked hard enough or what have you. But that was that was always interesting. So so we've got Bill Barr refusing to step in right around the election. We've got Bill Barr claiming that people were were, you know, lying about election integrity issues, but he never actually investigated or looked into any of it. And he's freely admitted this. So how can he make that claim? And now we have Trump saying that he's he's got word from the US attorney in Philadelphia that Bill Barr actually prevented the investigation of election fraud. Now, you, you tie this in with what happened with Ronna McDaniel over at the RNC, and you're starting to get a picture. And this is something that we have said for a long time, many of you have said for a long time, that swamp, it, it involves both parties. So when he says this, I mean, that's, that's, that's huge news. So apparently the uh, the if you want to go back and watch the CPAC speech, apparently it happens at 555 Eastern. OK, that's when he mentions it. He says he received a letter from the U.S. attorney in Philadelphia that former attorney general Bill Barr prevented the investigation of election fraud 
post-November 3rd and prior to the inauguration of Joe Biden. He then looked over at Devin Nunes, who was in the audience, and said, Devin, you don't even know about this. Now, Devin Nunes uncovers all of this stuff. And apparently Devin Nunes was taken, taken aback by it. Now, here's why, in and of itself, it's a big deal. But this, this announcement happens at CPAC and Trump's speech. And then over the weekend, there is a major update in the Pennsylvania Department of State on election issues. We're going to talk about that coming up on 95.3 MNC. All right, the Pennsylvania Department of State has issued an order. This order, it's like they listen to my show or something, right? This order blocks third-party access to voting systems. One of the biggest dumb moments ever in modern election history. The Pennsylvania Department of State issued a directive on Thursday that prevents third parties from accessing uh, county voting systems. Yeah, this isn't that hard. I've told you before, like when I went through how elections need to change and what what we need to do to change our election process, when I went through that, this stuff was on there, third-party access, third-party voter registration, all that needs to be done away with, every single speck of it. I don't want your special interest group registering people anymore. And I don't, I I get it. Some of you are like, but it's really good. It's customer, uh, not customer service, community service. Yeah, I get it. But that's where most fraud comes from. Most fraud comes from the third-party political activist groups that gain access to the election system in one way, shape, or form. That's where most of it comes from. So it makes sense that you eliminate the thing that is the biggest hurdle. And let's be honest, you don't need people standing outside of a grocery store registering people to vote. I'm sorry, you just don't, okay? You don't need to worry about that in modern times. Maybe back in the old days, when, you know, there wasn't a DMV and, you know, people lived miles and miles away and it took two horses because one of them died to get to the place where you need to need to register to vote. Maybe back then. You don't need to worry about it now. Now what it has become is become a giant scam to commit voter fraud. So we need to eliminate it. There's no reason to have it around anymore. This directive came as Republican State Senator Doug Mastriano announced on Wednesday, the day before, that he will investigate the Pennsylvania election system for both 2020 and the 2021 elections. People forget the 2021 elections had issues too. Mastriano, chairperson of the Pennsylvania Senate uh, Intergovernmental Operations Committee, visited the Maricopa County, Arizona election audit in June with other Republican state legislators. We told you to keep an eye on Pennsylvania. It is likely that Pennsylvania will do an audit. Demands have been made to allow third-party entities not directly involved with the conduct of elections to have access to electronic voting systems specifically to review and copy the internal electronic software, mechanical logic, uh, mechanical logic and related components of such systems. That is according to the Pennsylvania State Department. Such access by third parties undermines chain of custody requirements and strict access limitations necessary to prevent both intentional and inadvertent tampering with electronic voting systems. Now, there's going to be some people who go, no, 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 this, this gets rid of transparency, Casey. No, it doesn't. Stop. This is exactly what needs to happen. Third parties need to be shifted away from our elections. They shouldn't be involved in any capacity of it. 
You have the manufacturer of the machines. They train your personnel to do it. Your personnel handles it. You call them in as contractors when there's an issue. That's it, guys. Third parties should not be involved in our elections, period. Such access by third parties undermines chain of custody. It also jeopardizes the security and integrity of those systems and will negate the ability of electronic voting system vendors to affirmatively state that such systems continue to meet Commonwealth security standards. So, yes, at least Pennsylvania is making the right changes in the right spots. It's not perfect, but they're getting they're getting the idea. Pennsylvania saw what happened, you know, in the last election. Then in 2021, they had more problems. Pennsylvania is starting to get it. They're starting to see it. But Georgia, to a lesser extent, same thing. Wisconsin is still a bit of a mess. I don't know that Wisconsin knows exactly how they need to proceed on this. They're still proceeding, but there's now talk of an audit in, in Wisconsin. And the main reason is the Supreme Court of Wisconsin has said up to 200,000 ballots are invalid. Well, the state was only won by a few thousand votes. So if you've got up to 200,000 ballots that are potentially invalid, according to the Wisconsin Supreme Court, it makes sense to go through and do an audit. Because now you might be throwing away a ton of those those votes, and then Wisconsin flips. That's the whole thing. So we'll we'll see exactly. What, now again, Biden's not t- being taken out of office. Trump's not being put back in, back in. That isn't what's going on. But it will highlight what actually happened. So at least Pennsylvania's taking a step in the right direction. But if we want to secure our elections, I think the first place you start, besides voter ID, of course, is you just don't let third parties have anything to do with it. I know that scares some of you because you think third parties are making it more secure. But they're clearly not. We've established that over multiple decades now. It's time to let that one go. All right, we've got Milton Monday coming up, and we'll go ahead and, uh, well, I was going to say wrap up the show. We have the last hour of the show coming up. We're not wrapping up here. Milton Monday's next right here on 95.3 MNC.